and nomina padre just you just santos amen it's so nice wait let me see if i can get it so that you can hear it okay uh-huh <laughs> Welcome to our new ASMR podcast. We're just going to break glass. Yeah. <laughs> Three, two, one. Light bright. Cilantro. <laughs> Cilantro. My brain panicked. I wanted to say pineapple again. <laughs> I've started now. Um, I basically, while we're counting down, let my brain go through the entire random off the rails thought process it wants to mm -hmm. so that I don't say lamp every time because that's what's in front of me I think I was gonna say sailboat and then my brain panicked uh that's fair Chai Chai there. there welcome to cream and sugar hey Allie hey Julia ready to do another episode about wine yeah I was just thinking why not yeah <laughs> I think it'd be grape. Ah! <laughs> so, like I said before, Mm -hmm. um we are going to be doing part two of wine Yay. that is going to include history finally mm -hmm. and wine tasting itself Yay. we're going to do a real wine tasting i'm excited i'm excited and nervous it'll be fun yeah <laughs> even if we spit wine everywhere on accident it'll be fun yeah i'm a i'm a little terrified mm -hmm. i don't like that and i don't like red wine so we'll see how it goes uh it's you will be we'll be fine we'll be fine it'll be fine, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> this is fine but before we get too far into that how are you brewing i am brewing good i uh got to go to dragon con over labor day weekend and it was so much fun we are finally getting to the point now with dragon con and i think in our friend group especially where it's kind of like how it is with disney and my family now where like we caught our main things down and we know, like, we're going to the aquarium and all the big stuff like that. And otherwise, we just get to kind of, like, play it by ear. So, like, this year, basically every day from 1 to 3, we just kind of, like, posted up in an atrium and watched R2-D2 and BB-8 rolled around and just, like, took naps and ate food and relaxed for a little bit instead of running everywhere. That's really so, awesome. Mm-hmm. So that was really nice. Um, I also got to go to a teapot racing panel. Which did, I didn't what? know was a thing. Yeah. Um, so basically what it was is, I think they did it as a workshop, like, Thursday of Dragon Con. Because it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. So this was on mm -hmm. Sunday. And I'm pretty sure Thursday or Friday they did, like, a little workshop where they provide you with a bunch of little remote control cars and plastic teapots. And you can bring your own supplies. And you have to, like, assemble the teapots on the car and you can do like themes and stuff so like there was a stranger things one um there was a dinosaur one there was a cat one but my favorite was r2t2 
And it was oh something that had, gosh. they planned ahead. Um, I'll have a picture for the social media stuff, but they planned ahead and 3D printed an R2-D2 that was about like maybe six to seven inches tall, except for mm-hmm. the top part of the dome that would usually spin was a teapot and it spun. So it was just like this blue bottom with a gray teapot on top and it's spinning and it was remote control. So you just went me along and it wasn't like. It wasn't a start to finish line race. It was an obstacle course and they got to go one at a time. Oh, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. They, there's apparently official regulations, but we only kind of went by that because it was more of like a fun thing. So it was like they had to navigate around these candlesticks that had teacups on top of them. And of course, a bunch of people knocked them down because the go-karts are hard to control. Then there was a um, whoops, a ramp of doom that looked like a big crescent half moon thing and they had to go up and back down it and then they had to go on a teeter-totter and flip it off and people kept getting up on the teeter-totter and the carts weren't heavy enough so they just kind of stuck there for a second and then people would go like stomp on it to put it down because it's very like informal funny kind of stuff that's um, amazing but it was a lot of fun so we might we might do that again next year and maybe we'll like go record a little bit more of it but uh other tea related things I got us tea to try that we're going to be doing in an upcoming episode, I think. Yay! Which I have not really told you about other than that I got it. No! <laughs> I didn't tell you what it was, did I? No. All right. I got one you'll like. I might have told Mike. Okay. I don't remember. I told somebody. Um, But, so we're going to do that. We got, basically, they were nerdy tea. So it's based tea based off of characters and I got four of them for oh. us to try. And we're going to try all four and see if we think we're they're accurate to the characters. So are we do we have to guess which character it is or do I have to guess which character it is? Or nah. am I you're going to tell me and you're going to be like, this is who this is. Yep. What do you think? I'm going to um, they come in the little packets and they're labeled. So I'm going to give them to you like that. And they have like the notes of what they're supposed to be. And then we'll see if we decide that that's accurate. But that'll be another day. I'm expecting, like, for example, this is Belle. It's Earl Grey with a hint of lavender, because France. Mm-hmm. And it has an old smell of books. Yeah. Like, that's that's the kind of vibe I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you want, I can go grab you one real quick and just read you as the example. No, no, no. That's okay. okay. We'll save it for the next episode. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's that. Um, There was also an artist called Kim Steele that was there. That she had, I didn't get any because I didn't know exactly where to put it. But if you go over to her Instagram, she has art of different types of tea as dragons sitting in the teacups, and it's just really pretty. It's like a watercolor kind of style. It's really nice. She has a bunch of adorable. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna Um, have to get some of those. And then uh, the last thing I noted was that the Starbucks line took me 45 minutes. So, and you can't order ahead. (laughs) So, uh, my goal is for next year to get a closer room and to bring my own electric kettle and French presses and we'll do it ourselves. I agree. Mm -hmm. Barista bar in the hotel. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, that's how I'm brewing. How are you brewing? I am brewing well. We just got back from a beach vacation slash wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, not ours yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, no, no. It was actually Mike's sister and mm-hmm. his her fiance. Yeah. So they are now adorably married. Their wedding went really well. We went to the Outer Banks, spent an entire week there. 
Uh, we actually drove up to my parents first, and I cleaned my room. <laughs> Ooh, fun! <laughs> yeah, and when I say cleaned my room, I don't mean like, aha, uh-huh, I, v- I vacuumed and I swept. No, no, no. I emptied the closet, threw away things that were missing pieces that didn't fit anymore, that were donating. I literally cleaned out my entire room of stuff. I we went through the bookshelf and we kept books that we're gonna keep for like our future kid kids whatever, mm-hmm. and the rest are being donated to like teacher libraries or regular libraries, just not the trash. Yeah, and then, um, yeah, I basically gave my parents permission to destroy my room. Oh, they're gonna remodel. The main reason I did this is because they're gonna remodel my room. Okay, so. I'm a little upset about it, but I understand why. Mm-hmm. Did you get anything that like you could bring back to put in your room now? I actually did take a few things back. Uh, my godfather had uh, gotten me something from Singapore. Mm. It's handmade, and it says my name in character and in English. Ooh, that's so, cool. Definitely brought that back. I can't give that away. Mm-hmm. I brought back my marble collection that I've been <laughs> collecting since I was like, I don't know, middle school aged. Mm-hmm. There's some cool marbles in there. Nice. Uh, we actually made it into a centerpiece on our dining room table. Nice. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Uh, we brought, what else did we bring back? Oh my gosh. I brought back over 100 Mardi Gras beads. Oh yeah, I saw you sent me the Snapchat of you yeah. wearing them all. <laughs> yes, I will I'll post that in our social media. It's a lot of Mardi Gras beads and I was not throwing that away. No. You got to put that up somewhere. No, my grand My grandma sends me those Aww. every she used to send me those every Mardi Gras. Wow. So, I kept them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um once she got too old to actually go to Mardi Gras and like bring stuff back, uh, she stopped sending them, but I have the ones that she sent me while I was still in like high school and stuff. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it was nice. <laughs> um, that's mostly all I brought back. Hmm. Yeah, not too much. Yeah. A lot of it's just going to be put in the attic or thrown away. We threw away like seven bags of trash. Wow. Just broken stuff. Yeah, most mm-hmm. of them were, yeah, board games that missed pieces. Look, growing up with ADD, <laughs> uh, didn't leave a clean room ever mm-hmm. and i lost a lot of things mm. that's fair thrown away bit uh i don't know destroyed mm-hmm. whatever pieces parts gone vacuumed whatever yeah um but yeah the wedding was good my parents were good my room is clean <laughs> uh and i sort of started working out again oh nice yeah i started going to the gym really early a couple times a week Mm-hmm. I actually haven't gone since I've gotten back from the beach, but I want to try to get back into it, mostly because I'm exhausted. I haven't mm-hmm. had a lot of sleep since I got back. Yeah. So That's once fair. I feel like I'm back on a routine, I'm going to start going back to the gym again. Good. That's cool. Yay. Yeah. yeah. So that's how I'm brewing. Nice. Yeah. I do have a quick fire question for you. Okay. Have you ever been to a wine tasting? I have not. Today is my first wine tasting. Oh my gosh, me too. Oh, yay. <laughs> we'll figure it out together. Yeah. I Okay, so fun fact. 
I actually did go to a wine tasting, but I was not old enough to do the wine tasting. Aww. I was just along for the ride. Mm. I think I ate cheese and whatever else they had to munch on. Mm. Salted mozzarella, perhaps? Maybe. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have... Uh, I don't remember having a good time. I remember the the area being beautiful, hmm. and it was actually one of the venues we considered for the wedding. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, to recap last episode, because mm-hmm. it's been a couple weeks, mm-hmm. wine is defined as an alcoholic drink made from fermented grapes. There are specific types of grapes that are used for just wine. They're similar to table grapes, but tend to have less per bunch, larger skins, less sugar, they're more acidic, they have seeds, and they're overall more flavorful. Yep. And it's like just the opposite for the table grapes. <laughs> yeah. It's the please don't eat these grapes that you won't enjoy it. Mm-hmm. To make wine, you need grapes, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeast for fermentation, acid to help balance and age the wine, tannins, which are found in the seeds and skins and inside the barrels, and additives such as enzymes and antioxidants. Yep. Most wines are not vegan due to fining agents used to clear up the liquid. Mm-hmm. Wines are typically named for their grape species, and there are 347 approved names of grapes, and they are very strict on the re- set of regulations by which you can call it a wine. Mm-hmm. Blends are made from two or more varietals, and they are of a certain percentage and that does vary between country to country um a single variant you can either have a single variant or a blend Mm -hmm. and if the blend is made before fermentation it is considered a field wine yeah yes so that was basically last episode (laughs) so i would like to go over finally the history And then we will learn how to do a wine tasting and actually do one. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah, me too. So the history of wine. (laughs) Mostly we think wine. uh, We think France, Spain, Italy. They're definitely the most influential. But that's not where any of them started. Would Mm. you like to take a guess on how far back it goes and where? Um, my where is going to be Egypt, because if it's not Europe, my next go-to is Egypt on the Mediterranean. Mm-hmm. My when is going to be, do you want the year or just like an estimate of time? Um, try to get an estimate year. Okay. I'm going to say, I'm trying to remember when lemonade came from. <laughs> say the 13th century older than christ we're talking bc all right i'm gonna say the 13th century bc (laughs) way too far back (laughs) what year is that um 1400s right no 1200s bc Mm -hmm. um you're a few thousand years too far but you're not too far okay a few thousand so, or a few hundred? A few thousand. I don't know. That's okay. Okay. <laughs> so you're not far. 
Egypt is very close in the lineup, but it was not. It also was not the first. Ah. The first is actually China. Mm, okay. And some researchers believe that around 7,000 BC. Wow. Is when it started, shortly followed by Armenia and Georgia around 6,100 and 6,000 BC. That's a long time ago. So wine is old AF. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some researchers think that the oldest winery is in Armenia. Fun fact, also the oldest shoe. <laughs> Just the one? Just the one. Okay. <laughs> It might be a pair of shoes. I think it was just the one. It's the ADHD brain. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. There's also evidence of winemaking in Iran, Egypt, Israel, Greece, Cyprus, and Sicily. Mm-hmm. But we'll go through a timeline of exactly when and why. Okay. <laughs> so, last last episode, mm-hmm. we talked about old world versus new world wine. Uh-huh. There is also ancient world wine. <laughs> Is there also going to be a new New World wine? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> That'll be later in the future. Mm-hmm. So um, basically the history of winemaking is going to start in the ancient world wine. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is going to include countries that you're usually hearing ancient Egypt, ancient Rome, that kind of ancient. Okay. They're thought to develop the world's first winemakers, wineries, and develop techniques for fermenting grape juice into alcohol. Mm. Just a quick recap from last episode. Old world wine is wine that typically comes from Europe, the Mediterranean, and the Middle East, typically where viniculture, which is wine wine growing, really took off. Mm -hmm. The most common species for winemaking is Vietis vinifera. New world wine will be any other region that I didn't mention before. So the United States, Australia, New Zealand, Argentina, etc. Okay. Americas and post-colonization. Mm-hmm. Colonization. So, a simple timeline because it gets mm-hmm. weird and we're just going to stick to a basic one. Okay. Uh, most of the wine history is going to come from usualwines.com. Mm-hmm. They had a very nicely laid out timeline that was easy to follow and still very informative. Nice. And it's also referencing a lot of scientists because this is uh, this is arche- archaeology. True. Yes, this is very, very old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so according to Dr. Patrick McGovern, who is considered the most Im- one of the most important wine scientists and anthropologists, the world's first chemically confirmed alcoholic beverage was discovered at Jiahe in the Henan province of China and thought to be from around 7,000 BC. So this is where we get our first major landmark. Mm-hmm. These would have been made in clay jars and they would store wild grapes, rice, honey, and hawthorn fruit. So basically, they found out that if you store these fruit in a jar with yeast on their skins... They'll make wine. Oh, nice. Yeah. They think that they were mostly used for burial and religious ceremonies. Okay. Another major milestone is the world's oldest winery, which was thought to date back to 6100 BC. It was found in a cave in Armenia, along with a bowl, a cup, a grape press, and fermentation jars. 
and the shoe I mentioned. (laughs) (laughs) It's a very important shoe. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) They did determine that the grape used is the very same Vietis vinifera, so they think the final product of this wine would be very similar to a Merlot. Oh, okay. Isn't that fancy? When you're drinking Merlot, you can think, ah, ancient. (laughs) Mm, Yes, ancient. Ancient Armenia. (laughs) (laughs) Mm, This tastes like it belongs in a cave with a shoe. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) So in 3100 BC, ancient Egypt began, began making wine from red grapes. Again, in clay jars, but these were called amphoras. Okay. These had a narrow neck and two handles, so it was kind of similar to today's wine bottles, except it had two handles. It was more like a jug. Mm-hmm. I've seen, I think I've seen those, but like modern versions, so the handles are itty bitty. I usually see sangria bottles like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Modern Egypt doesn't really play in the winemaking world anymore, but their history is swimming in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There are scenes etched in their tombs that show people harvesting, squashing, and placing them in in amphoras to ferment. Okay. There are a lot of religious reasons for having wine, and in ancient Egypt, they also had a few. Mm -hmm. The red wine that they make resembles blood, and this resulted in in superstitions about its power. Hmm. There's one practice where you drink the blood of Osiris, the god of resurrection. Mm-hmm. So a quote from mythodoxy.wordpress.com. In summary, it was believed that the blood of Osiris turned water into wine and that the source of the water for the grapevine, ultimately his blood literally became wine as well. Thus, wine became the symbol for his blood. All right. I could see that. Yes. So, and this is definitely not the first account that we have of relating wine to blood, but we'll come back into that. Mm-hmm. Actually, uh, I had a conspiracy theory class in college that I took for like a couple days before I decided to drop it. It was an honors class, uh-huh. and we specifically watched a video comparing Osiris and all of these kind of practices to Catholicism and equating him to Jesus and to Jesus to Osiris. <laughs> so <laughs> They're very similar stories. Mm-hmm. Except one occurred 3,000 years beforehand. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But we label it by the second. Yes. (laughs) Archaeologists also found that these wines were used for various ceremonies as well as medicinal purposes. Mm -hmm. And while red wine was the most commonly produced in this region, they also did discover the first evidence of white wine in King Tut's tomb. Hey. King Tut had white wine. What a, how interesting. I'm happy for him. <laughs> King Tut was also a kid, I think. Yeah, so. he was like nine, I think. So I'm Turn extra up. happy for him. <laughs> <laughs> Alphabet time. Okay. Just kidding. We're going to talk about the Phoenicians. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so they're considered responsible for the movement of wine and trading between 1200 B.C., and 539 BC. Mm. So a like a good 600 year span of trading. Right. 
This brought beverages and grapevines across the Mediterranean to countries such as Greece, Italy, and modern-day Turkey, Lebanon, Israel, and Syria. Hmm. During their travels, they came into contact with the Jewish people, where eventually they made it into their religious practices. The first account of wine in the Bible is actually mentioned during the Great Flood in Genesis, where Noah drinks it after the flood. I hope that these religions included wine because they wanted a reason to be able to drink wine on a daily basis. <laughs> like, if we just make a religion, then we can do it. <laughs> I hope so. That's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Around 800 BC, now that more countries have access to the wine, the Greeks are also using it for a symbol of religion, trade, and health. Hmm. It was so beloved that they named a god after it. Dionysus. Yeah. The Greeks would gather grapes in wicker baskets and then crush and place them in pithoi, large earthen jars similar to the amphoras. Okay. Once the Greeks got a good system going, they also began transporting wines and grape vines when they were colonizing. Hmm. This is how it got it got to Sicily and eventually Rome. That makes sense. Yes. Now enter the copycats. Yay! <laughs> we love a good copycat. Between 200 and 100 BC, the Romans began copying the Greeks, mm -hmm. and they began making their own wine and their own god of wine, <laughs> Bacchus. That's not nearly as nice of a name. No. But, fun fact, the term Bacchanalian, meaning drunken revelry, comes from the name of the Roman god of wine. Oh, okay. That makes more sense. So it's not as fun, but it is, it's stuck around in our culture. Yeah. <laughs> it's more fun in that form. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the Romans also improved the process a little bit. They used barrels and other techniques to help produce the wine at a quicker pace with lower cost. Nice. This included using a torculum, which crushed the grapes. Uh, separating the grapes from their skins with a colander-like object. Hmm. The juice was also sometimes boiled before fermenting, and the jars were often buried or submerged. Interesting. So they were making yes, so cellars before there was a wine cellar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yep. Jumping back to Egypt, this drink was made only accessible to pharaohs and, like, the top 1%. Hmm. Okay. In Rome, however... It was considered the drink of the gods and accessible to the rich and the poor. Aww. It was part of their daily life. Hmm. Now, this wasn't the best quality. <laughs> Usually the masses wines were mixed with vinegar and sweetened with honey. So they yeah. were watered down a little bit. Not really great quality, but they were for everyone. That's still better than most places. Mm -hmm. As the Roman Empire grew, they planted grapes and conquered many countries including France, Spain, Germany, Italy, and Portugal. As they conquered, they concord. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was so funny. <laughs> Around 306 to 380 AD, so we're now in past Christ. <laughs> this was during the beginning of the reign of Constantine, the Catholic Church was in power. Mm. Literally. They were they were the power. Yeah. So 
With this came a new religious focus in Rome. This was especially seen in religious rituals, specifically the sacrament of the Eucharist. Mm -hmm. So during a Catholic mass, you'll accept the body and blood of Christ, which is represented by bread or wafer and wine. Wine is typically used because of the story of the Last Supper, where wine symbolized his blood and was given to his apostles. This representation can also be seen in other Christian religions, but it's often substituted with grape juice. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. I wish that's what Catholics did, because as a kid, I refused to take the wine because it was disgusting. <laughs> yeah. That and people were drinking it, and I that freaked me out. Maybe that's part of the reason why you don't like red wine. It could be. Yeah. They would literally hand you the cup, say, blood of Christ, you would drink it, and then they would just wipe the rim and do the same thing to the next person, and that freaked me out. I thought it was disgusting. You want to know why I know that that's how they do it? Why? Because I've watched so many horror movie and TV shows that involve Catholicism. Of course. <laughs> that's the only reason I know most of these things. That and my friend that's Catholic. But even that, like, I don't, she doesn't like to talk about it, so I don't ask her to. Most Catholics don't. <laughs> yep. It's a little creepy when you start thinking about it, so you just don't think about it. Yeah, that's fair. So now we're going to sail forward to Columbus. Yeah. <laughs> So we've jumped uh, a thousand and a half years. Okay. Um, so while he didn't discover anything new, it did build a new era of exploration for both North and South America. Mm -hmm. In the 16th century, Spanish ships were sailing to Mexico and Brazil. And during their conquest, they also brought vine culture, which uh, grew quickly. <laughs> In about six seconds, some say. <laughs> Do it for the vine. Oh! <laughs> I, did, I was like, haha, yeah. Uh -huh, I'm tell. sure that made sense. I could tell the difference between your like, actual funny, you're like, uh -huh, yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's all good. I tried. Thank you for, <laughs> for uh, explaining that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so Spanish missionaries established the first winery in Chile. These missionaries traveled from Argentina to where they settled in the Mendoza wine region, and they planted the region's first varietals. Nice. Yeah. Thank you, Spain. Is that because it has so many mountains in Chile? It is really good for wine growing. Okay. Yeah. Makes the climate's sense. good. Yeah. The climate. Because you climb a mountain. <laughs> <laughs> We're not even drunk this time. I know. It's just chaos. <laughs> In the late 18th century, Spanish missionary Junipo Serra traveled mm -hmm. to San Diego, California, and established the state's first mission and the first known vineyard. Oh. This grew up and down the state and continued to plant the mission grape, a varietal from Spain. Okay. Four types of wines were made from this grape, both a sweet and dry variety of red and white wine. Mm. So you have... Sweet red, dry wed, red. Uh -huh. Sweet white, dry white. <laughs> One fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish. It's all a tongue twister this episode. Yes. Mm -hmm. The Mission Grape was the only varietal in California until 1830s when, an, uh, when other European settlers in Los Angeles decided 
that they were going to introduce several European varietals to their vineyards. Oh, okay. Now enter James Busby. (laughs) Who? He is Scottish-born, British-raised, Australian-based viticulturist in the 19th century. All right. I need to break that down. (laughs) I think I'm good. I can see the path like the little airplane from Indiana Jones. Yes. Born in Scotland, raised in a British household, based in Australia. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. He planted vineyards in Australia after tons of research, cross-continental traveling between Australia and the rest of Europe, and eventually taking cuttings and transplanting them. He later took those cuttings to New Zealand, and in 1836, he established its first vineyard. Oh. 200 years later, the descendants of these cuttings are still thriving. Wow. So, he is considered the father of Australian wine industry. That's awesome. I'm going to plant this plant, and it will be here in two centuries. So, now we're going to head back to China, where it all began. All right. In the 1980s, when China's economy was booming, they became the largest consumers and producers of wine. Hmm. Rice wine was still the most popular alcoholic beverage in the country, but grape wine was growing in status and preference. Hmm. Wine production did decline in recent years, though. Uh, There's no clear answer for this one. Um, Some will say that the conditions have become unfavorable, so the climate's changed. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, others suggest that they're more into imports right now, and they just like the better-known wine regions' wines more than their own. That's fair. They can afford it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I totally get it. Yeah. But that is the history of wine. Cool. That's a that's a lot more history yeah. than, like, I thought. Like, I knew it was old, but I don't know why I just expected wine to just always be the same. You know? Mm-hmm. It seems unchanged. Mm -hmm. And for the most part in human history, it is kind of unchanged. It was after ancient that it became more regulated. Yeah. So recent history, it's very unchanged. Right. But yeah. Yeah. Now that we know what wine is and where it comes from, we're going to do a, our very own wine tasting. Yes. I'm excited. Yay. Mm-hmm. We, per the last episode, decided that we were each going to try Syrah uh-huh. because of the quiz. <laughs> mm-hmm. Did you see what I called the recording session, by the way? Yes, I did. And I've had that <laughs> song stuck in my head all day. Same. <laughs> um. So... We each went to Total Wine and got Syrah. You got yours how long ago? Yesterday. Yesterday. I went and just got it in between recording sessions because I'm a slacker. I also just finished my notes in between recording sessions. (laughs) So we're doing great. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's okay. I worked on my notes at work in between recording sessions. Nice. Because I decided I wanted to add something. Well, there you go. Um. But I have a really funny story about going to Total Wine to get this this okay. uh, bottle. So I'm aimlessly wandering around because I have no idea where I'm going to find Syrah in Total Wine. That place is like made for connoisseurs. Like you have to, it's labeled by the grape and uh-huh. 
I didn't, and some of them are labeled by the country, and some of them are labeled by other reds, and I didn't know if it would fall <laughs> into other reds. And I was like, I don't know what this is. And then it said Syrah and Syrahs, and I said, uh-oh, I don't know the difference. <laughs> and then Q, Total Wine Lady. Okay. Total Wine Lady walks up to me, and she goes, can I help you with anything? And I go, actually, yeah. Um, What's the difference between Syrah and Syrah? Um, I, are they the same? And she goes, no, they're, it's a different grape. I said, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. Um, and she said, are you looking for, oh, she said, actually, she said one's sweeter and one's not quite as sweet. And then I said, which one's the not so sweet one? She said, oh, it's Syrah. And I go, oh, man. So she was trying to get me to get the Syrahs. I was like, no, no, no. My friend and I are doing a podcast. And he goes, oh, my gosh, no way. And I look at her name tag. And her name tag is Allie. And it's spelled exactly the same way that you spell it. I said, no way. My friends, my my co-host is named Allie and it's spelled that way. She goes, no way. You're like the second uh, podcaster that's come into the store in two weeks. I was like, thanks. Oh, (laughs) that's cool. I mentioned that we were doing this for a podcast and Mm -hmm. she was like, oh my gosh. And then it turns out she loves coffee and she followed us. Yay. Yay. Hi, Allie. I'm Allie. It's nice to meet you. <laughs> Thank you so much for helping me find the bottle, and you're awesome. <laughs> but she hands me this, and she said, oh, and by the way, it has such a nice label. I go, oh, wow. Yeah, this is nice. Hmm. France, 2020. Bad year. <laughs> she goes, oh, my God. You're the first person that's gotten that. I said, Thank you. <laughs> cracking up in the middle of the aisle that's awesome anyways 10 out of 10 total wine experience oh my god okay so wait because i kind of had like the opposite total wine experience which mine (laughs) wasn't bad but i walked in you know i'm i just got off work yesterday and i'm reading Mm -hmm. the signs and i took a picture i found the sign that says cabernet and syrah oh no (laughs) that's where i need to go so i go over there find the syrah section really easy it also has the how did you say it Shiraz? Shiraz. Shiraz? Okay. Because I always said like Shiraz because it has the S in there or the H in there. Jason (laughs) Shiraz. Yes. Um, So I stood there and I was just (laughs) reading the labels because I want to make sure I got Syrah and not the other one. So Mm -hmm. and I saw, you know, a $14 bottle and then a $11 and I was just looking through them all to see what I wanted. And I was like, well, I want to get one that has a cute label that I might want to like put out as a decoration at some point later. So I find this one. And right as I'm picking this one up, a lady walks up behind me and went, oh, hey, how's it going? Do you need help? And I went, nope. She went, okay. And then she kept walking. <laughs> and then I got this and I left. I love that. Mm-hmm. It was the total opposite. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to whine about. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> okay. All right. So are you ready to have a wine tasting? I am. I'm excited. Okay. We're going to go over the rules first, okay, and then we're going to do the wine tasting. Okay. So, we Sorry. are going to do... <laughs> I'm scooting my napkin closer so I don't spill things everywhere. Understood. We are going to do a very basic uh, wine tasting, but I'm going to go over the different kinds of wine tastings that you can do. And this website, which was foodandwine.com told you how to do it at home to host a wine Ooh, tasting, which is awesome. really cool. So we're going to pretend that we're hosting a wine tasting. Mm-hmm. 
So traditionally, one of the best ways to do it is to choose a varietal, then get a bunch of different bottles from different countries that make that same varietal. So for example, you would choose Chardonnay and then you would get bottles from California, Washington State, Australia, New Zealand, Italy, etc. Okay. And you would compare them. Uh, this is a really good way to learn how different countries can contribute different characteristics to the same type of wine. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. Right. So if I had a United States Moscato and an Italian Moscato, which I've had, and I can say the Italian Moscato was so much better. It was also carbonated. Oh. Yeah. So each country kind of has their own spin on it. So it's really Mm -hmm. cool to compare just a varietal. Yeah. Uh, And that is called varietal tasting. Okay. It does have a name. (laughs) (laughs) Another kind that you can do is called horizontal tasting. And this means you get wines from a single vintage, such as a 93 Bordeaux or a 94 Oregon Pinot Noir. You know, you're picking the year. Okay. You would gather these vintages from different brands and compare them. This can be really difficult, though, because young wines will have only very subtle differences. Right. That one's a little bit more rigorous and more advanced. All right. (laughs) So to set up your wine tasting, your presentation matters. Oh, okay. Yes, because it's a mind game. Oh, okay. So what does my presentation have to be? PowerPoint or Prezi? I hated Prezzies. I've never made one. I love Prezzies. I thought they were too extra. They're so much more creative. Yeah, I wasn't very creative with them. Ah. I was just like, yep, we're going to go in a line because that's <laughs> the way PowerPoints work. <laughs> I did a presentation on a on 99 Red Balloons, like a lyric analysis, and mm-hmm. it's about bombing. So I made it a radar with red balloons everywhere, and I zoomed in and out on different balloons. Oh, nice. The first thing you're going to do... Is you're going to remember. Remember. (laughs) Remember. The first thing you're going to do is you're going to remove all of the capsules from each of the bottles. So via screw top, case, uh, like cage, like champagne. Then you're going to wrap them in tinfoil. Oh. And this is if you were hosting, because traditionally you're going to want to do a blind taste. You don't want to know what the bottle is. And when you present it, you're going to be like, this is white wine number one. This is white wine number two. Okay. And you're going to label these with the pen and just make sure that you know which ones are which. Uh Uh-huh. So it won't be until the end that you reveal what the label is. And we'll get to when the end is because you think it ends and then it doesn't. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yes. So this is going to keep you from judging the wine based on the label. Right. So the next thing you're going to do is you're going to get either a white tablecloth, a piece of paper, something white. And this is going to be so that you can see color of the wine much better. Mm -hmm. You'll want to arrange the glasses on white plastic coated sheets or butcher paper as well. And this is going to come into play later when you're swirling the wine. It's going to create a frictionless surface and it'll make it a lot easier to get a good swirl. Okay. So basically you've got white tablecloth. Butcher paper or something non-sticky mm-hmm. wine glass. Right. And then you've got your line of bottles that are covered. Okay. Okay. <laughs> this feels like a science experiment more than like a wine tasting. 
It kind of is. The next part is going to be the wine glass because that matters too. All right. The best glass overall for tasting is going to be the Rydell Crystals Overture Red Wine Glass. This one specifically runs from about $750 to $9. So not $750. (laughs) $7.50. This is my $750 wine glass. Don't touch it. (laughs) It just has a really good overall wine glass shape uh for tasting Mm -hmm. there is a more expensive version um and it's called the rydell vinium chardonnay glass it's typically twice the price and much more elegant both glasses are going to be narrower at the rim than they are in the middle and large enough to swirl a few ounces of wine okay so typically anything that tapers at the top is going to be perfect Mm -hmm. Okay, I think mine's pretty good then. Which yours does, yeah. It's got a lot of height and a little bit of taper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yours is great. Thanks. <laughs> yours is pretty good too. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> it's also important to not have a lot of strong scents in the room because that's going to interfere with the scent of the wine, obviously. Mm-hmm. So don't have candles lit, no potpourri, you know. Neutral smelling room. No litter boxes. Yes, no litter boxes. Man, this this has like an ammonia taste to it. <laughs> it's okay. I cleaned it out. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then um, you're also going to want to read the recommendations for the chilling temperature, if there mm-hmm. are any. Typically, a white wine is going to be stored around 50 to 55 degrees, while reds are going to be 60 to 65 degrees. And this does have a purpose for tasting okay when white wines are refrigerated they tend to have a stunted flavor and aroma and when reds are served too warm they can be dulled by the alcohol and you just get alcohol taste oh okay so when you have this ideal temperature you get the actual flavor of what the wine is supposed to be should i go get my meat thermometer to make sure this temperature is correct no (laughs) okay (laughs) Because I, I'm winging it. You're okay. going to be fine. It'll be fine. All right. We're just going to pretend that this is the correct temperature for this wine. All right. That works for me. <laughs> we don't question it. It was correct the whole time. Yes. It's also recommended to have some kind of palate cleanser, such as crackers, neutral biscuits, or lightly salted mozzarella, which apparently is extremely good at removing stubborn flavors. That's good to know. Yes. <laughs> Next time somebody says, ew, gross, I have the taste of onion stuck in my mouth, I'll be like, here's some salted cheese. It might help. Maybe. And lastly, and my least favorite part, you're supposed to have a spit bucket. <laughs> when wine tasting, you're not supposed to swallow. Oh. Yeah. Um. We'll s- we might. <laughs> I'll spit it once, and then I'm drinking okay. the rest. That's fine. Yeah. Um, you don't need to swallow to taste the wine. As it turns out, the less you swallow, the longer you'll be able to maintain your acuity, obviously. <laughs> Thank you for the clarification on how wine works. <laughs> Thankfoodandwine.com. They think very little of us. <laughs> <laughs> when you texted me and, se- and sent the list of things to grab and you sent in a cup to spit in, I legitimately just laughed out loud at my desk. 
I was like, (laughs) okay. (laughs) Unfortunately, we're going to have to do it. (laughs) It's fine. I can, I can do it. Spittoons are often a large coffee mug or an opaque plastic cup, preferably weighted because you don't want that stuff spilling. Mm. Um, And you should dump your glass into a glasses and spittoons into a larger bucket in between flights. Okay. So like you'll do a round of wine tasting, you'll make your notes and then you'll just dump your spittings into the bucket, have a palate cleanser and move on to the next round. I'm just wondering what we do with the larger bucket of accumulated spit wine. Down the sink, someone who has a stronger stomach than me. Mm. (laughs) Mm. I won't be doing that. Nope. As a matter of fact, I'm probably going to take my own spit wine, close my eyes and dump it because I get grossed out by my own spit. (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) I I think I can manage it for one, but if one of my cats go for it, there's going to be a problem. Uh huh. So, when tasting the wine, uh huh, it's time to learn how to actually do the wine tasting. Now that you've set everything up, <laughs> okay. <laughs> First thing we're gonna do is see how it looks. Looks like wine. <laughs> <laughs> when you pour the few ounces of wine, you are gonna look at the color against a white background, and you're gonna do this. By tilting the glass away from you so that it comes up on the back of the glass. Okay. Uh, And the reason you do this is because you're going to see what the top color is. Um, Typically, you're looking for bright, saturated colors, especially with reds. Um, A young red that seems to be a little brown at the top might be aging too quickly. And a Mm. white that's way darker than it should be could be showing signs of oxidation. Oh. So the color is pretty important. Okay. The next thing you'll do is swirl the wine. Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) My mom and I have a joke about the way you... I think she went to a wine tasting and the lady goes, you must swirl the wine. (laughs) (laughs) So that's the only way we say that now. Mm -hmm. Anyways, the reason you do this is to release the aromas of the wine. So when you swirl, you're going to swirl vigorously for about three to five seconds. No more than that. Because you don't want to just destroy it. Okay. I thought you were going to say minutes for a second. (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. Just three to five seconds. Just enough to get air in. You're creating Uh surface pressure. Okay. And getting it to just move around. Swirl it for three to five minutes like you're making a pack of Jello. Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, The article specifically said... No more than three seconds. It's not a, a mixed drink. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Red Wine. When you swirl, once it settles, you're going to take a deep sniff and make notes of the aroma. Okay. <laughs> oh, I should have told you to grab a, a something to write with. Pen and paper of some kind. Uh, I got it. Because we'll compare tasting notes. Okay. So now that we've looked at it and we've sniffed it, you know. Like we're supposed to. <laughs> mm-hmm. We finally get to sip it. All right. So how to sip it. You will take <laughs> a good size sip, hold it in your mouth, oh. and then swish it around. Okay. <laughs> your goal is to coat the entire palate of your mouth. So literally all of your mouth. Pretend it's mouthwash. But not too okay. intensely. 
Right. You're going to make note of how it feels, such as thin or acidic or rich and velvety. Okay. Go for that mouthfeel. <laughs> mouthfeel. <laughs> You're also going to savor the wine. And that doesn't mean just like, oh, I appreciate this. Yes, let me hang on <laughs> okay. to it for a few seconds. No, savoring is where we introduce air to our mouth while there's wine oh. in it. So okay. while you have the wine in your mouth, you're going to draw in air from your front teeth. So go like, like that. Okay. And then you're going to want it to run across your tongue and you're going to gargle the wine kind of. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to try really hard not to laugh at any point in this and spit wine everywhere. (laughs) You're going to use this to identify other flavors with your tongue. Basic flavors like salty, sweet, bitter, acidic, etc. Okay. Most of the other flavors that will reach your brain are with aromas. Mm -hmm. So it's part of the smelling, which is why it's really important that you chew the wine. Okay. <laughs> so, so when I say chew, I mean you're going to use more or less the back of your mouth to go like nom 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 nom, nom, nom because nom. it basically you have receptors in the back of your throat that connect to your nose. It's why okay. when you when you're sick, mucus can drain into your throat. It's all in the same place. Okay. So basically you want air to get in there without choking and <laughs> This is going to cause some of the elements in the wine to vaporize and go into your nose. Okay. So this is where your subtle hints of chocolate and whatever are going to come from. Okay. This is going to be an interesting process. See if I don't mess it up. I don't know if you've read the back of the wine bottle yet, but I'm not going to read it and see if my notes match it at all. Okay. Yeah, I didn't read it at all. The only thing I looked at was the pretty picture and made sure it was the right kind of wine. I didn't even look at the France 2020, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I thought surrounds that was the type of wine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So those are that's how you do the wine tasting. Okay. When you're doing all of these things, here's some things to keep in mind and to look for. Mm-hmm. You're gonna look for aromas and flavors. And essentially you're gonna associate smell and taste together simultaneously. They're not two separate things, they are one. Okay. You're going to jot down descriptive words and phrases that make you think of the wine and how it makes you feel. Okay. Specifically, you're going to want to make sure that the wine is clean, meaning not a vinegary quality, no mustiness, which would be a bad cork, no mm-hmm. oxidation, which smells like sherry or Madeira, Madeira, Madeira. Maybe. It's, it's another liqueur. Okay. I don't know what sherry smells like. I don't know. Um, and you're also not, you're going to make sure that it doesn't have a strong suggestion of a barnyard. I don't know what that <laughs> means. Okay. That was quoted word for word. Mm, I feel like a horse has been in my wine. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Interesting. That's what my, that's what my wine tastes like. <laughs> hey, get your horse out of my wine. <laughs> For the texture and the weight, you're going to want to keep in mind of some adjectives such as light, crisp, soft, full-bodied, rough, smooth. So mouth feels. Okay. You're also going to want to look for an overall balance. So a good wine should have a really good harmony of components, meaning one thing shouldn't stick out over all the others. 
Like, say your wine is overwhelmed by the scent of a new oak barrel and all you taste is oak barrel. It shouldn't be like that. Okay. It's too much. Too much barrel. Calm down. Or if it's excessively tannic or alcoholic, you would, you'd be like, this is gross. You know? (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. You should also keep in mind that some of the newer bottles need bottle aging to achieve this balance. So we have a two-year-old bottle of wine. That Mm -hmm. might be enough. Okay. So we might get some funky flavors from this. We'll see. Okay. We'll figure it out. You're also going to look for persistence on the palate. So this is also called an aftertaste or a finish. And I've heard it Mm -hmm. with a finish before. Okay. Um. If the wine disappears the moment you spit it. So like you spit it and you're like, that doesn't taste like anything anymore. Not a great wine. It probably lacks concentration or it was made from marginally ripe grapes. Okay. An outstanding wine will linger between 20 and 30 seconds. Okay. And at the end, we're going to compare notes. Okay. Each person will have their own notes and we would discuss the wines and exchange tasting notes. And then we taste again. Okay. (laughs) It's over. And then it's over. More wine. So this time you're going to want to see if it's changed with aeration, like how long it's been Mm. exposed to the air. Mm -hmm. Um, This can improve the wine and grow richer while others might lose their shape and freshness. Mm. Okay. Um, some other wine tastings will do tasting with food. You'll take the same bottles of wine and you'll see what they complement well, uh, like mm. meats, cheeses, chocolates, etc. Yeah. Um, may typically the most uh, standalone wine that's like just upfront outstanding doesn't always pair well with food. Sometimes it's the more reserved bottle. That's actually going to come through and maybe complement the meat more. Oh, okay. So now that we know the rules, are you ready? Mm-hmm. I am. I'm scrolling back up a little bit though, so I can keep in mind what I'm doing. <laughs> Me too. All right. So go to the tasting the wine and we'll just follow that. Okay. And do you remember your notes that you want to write? I got it in sections. Oh, I love you. This is why you're awesome. <laughs> that's why i was writing as you were talking i was like mm, yes aromas flavors texture weight overall balance and persistence nice mm-hmm. oh i forgot to mention um so you know how you've heard terms like legs yes okay so we did talk about this a little bit in the last episode but i wanted to recap uh a wine that is either sweeter or has a higher alcohol content will typically have thicker legs Um, This Mm -hmm. doesn't actually do, it doesn't tell anything about the quality of the wine. Something that could have thin legs, no legs, thick legs could be a great wine. Um, It's just a term. Oh. Yeah, like, oh, she's got great legs. It's like, uh, okay. Yeah. (laughs) That's what I was going to say is like, if the wine has thicker legs, if it has more sugar or alcohol content, that that means it's going to give me thicker legs. Yes. (laughs) potentially (laughs) and we will have thick legs together (laughs) yay yeah okay let me know when you're ready to pop yours open i am ready let's decage these boys (laughs) hey 
Okay. Okay. So go ahead and pour a little bit in there. Okay. Oh, it's so pretty. Ooh. And you should like this wine. Oh, yeah. It, it, considering it was next to the Cabernets. She said it was a drier wine. Yeah. When I walked over and it was red and next to Cab, I was like, yeah, I think I'll be okay with this. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. So okay. the first thing we're going to do is we're going to tilt it and look at its color. And remember, you want to look away from you at the white background. I actually, can I use my computer screen? Uh, yeah. Okay. Cool. Hmm. It's hard to tell. I'm not telling you what I think yet, right? No, we're going to compare at the end. Okay. Okay. Next thing we're going to do is swirl vigorously for three seconds. Okay. Without spilling. I was going to say, can I put my hand over the top of it or does that mess up with the aeration? Uh, it messes with the aeration. Okay. And once we swirl, we take a good sniff. Mm -hmm. And it says that you can repeat as many times as you would like. Okay. Yeah, this is going to take me a second. Hold on. I feel like now's a good time to mention my nose is slightly stuffy, but I can still smell things. Okay. I think this might be the first red wine that I don't hate the smell of. That's good. It is is us, so I hope you don't hate us. (laughs) (laughs) I want to do one more. Yep. Okay. I'm set in my opinion. I'm going to get one more and I think I'm good. Okay. I almost spilled it everywhere. (laughs) Be careful. Okay. So the next thing we're going to do is we're going to sip and hold it in our mouth and swish. And then we're going to go on Uh to savor. So we're not going to stop in between those steps because I can't talk with wine in my mouth. Yeah. Okay. So... Sip, hold, swirl, breathe in through my teeth, and then kind of chew it in the back of my throat. And then spit it. All right. And a dink. 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 Oh. Oh. All right. Let's see how this tastes. Okay. Hmm. 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 I wasn't expecting that to work the way it did. Really? Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Anyway, hold on. Can I do it one more time, though, because I forgot to make notes for the first time because I got too excited. (laughs) I am also going to do another tasting because I'm trying to make myself go away from I don't like this and Uh actually taste it. (laughs) I believe in you. Because I genuinely don't like this. (laughs) I do like it, but I feel like that's not a surprise. Okay, I'm going to do it again. Do you want dink again? Yeah. Okay. Dink. Dink. (laughs) Okay. I could only get two real hints from it. Most of my flavors came from the smell. Yeah. Okay. I'm good. This is really not a red wine kind of person. (laughs) Okay. Are you ready to to discuss our tasting notes? Yes, I am. Okay. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Um, we'll alternate. Are we going by sections, kind of? Or do you want to do it Mm -hmm. all at once? Yeah, let's go by sections. Okay, so you go first on the first section. Okay. So for the look of it, I said that it had a very slightly brown rim, but upon further examination, I found it was just kind of really light pink. So it it looked okay. Um, And then it had a really pretty burgundy color. 
Mm-hmm. I <laughs> I could only think in metaphor, so I described mine as large dark sections with rich neon red, like nightlife gangster movie. Ooh. I love that description. And you're absolutely right with the sections of dark red. Mm-hmm. Like, because they're not consistent, and like around the rims, you get a little bit of that red, but as I move the glass around, it flashes into the dark, so... Mm-hmm. Just made me think of, like, Sin City if it was in color. Mm-hmm. So, for the swirl, I said that mm-hmm. it had a sweet smell, and that it kind of put alcohol in the back of my throat. And it also had oh. a very slight chocolatey smell. Very slight. Mm. See, I got a really strong alcohol smell the first time I switched it. Um, and that, I think that's partially just because of the state of my sinuses. But okay. then the second and third time when I switched it, I got very fruity notes and it smelled almost like an apple orchard, like specifically the Bath and Body Works candle. Okay. Yes. I got very fruity. Mm-hmm. I definitely got fruity from that. Mm-hmm. But then once I tasted it, like the first taste, I got the sweetness when I was just holding it on my tongue. And then the second I inhaled and moved it to the back of my tongue, I got really sour, and then my tongue just felt like prickly, sour reaction. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Which is why I re- i don't know if you're watching, but I reacted a little bit. I was like, what, what is that? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just because I went from sweet to very sour very quickly. Mm-hmm. When I sipped it, I initially got the sweetness and then as it moved around, I got that very specific bitter, like, orange peel. Mm. Okay. Um, and I also noted that it was very acidic. Because mm-hmm. I tried not to choke from how acidic it was. <laughs> it was very, very bite, bite heavy. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes sense. I accidentally swallowed a little because it. I panicked. <laughs> mm-hmm. Me too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, I did say it like texture and weight wise, it it just felt very light and sharp. Mm-hmm. I also wrote the word spicy. <laughs> I feel that. <laughs> it felt a little spicy. Okay. That's all the that's most of the notes I have. Literally I was trying not to just write gross. <laughs> I um I did write for balance that it I would have liked more of the fruit sweetness to last mm-hmm. a little bit longer that it kind of got overwhelmed and that uh, for persistence it only lasted like maybe five to ten seconds after I spit it out and that was mostly just the prickly not so much flavor okay yep so do we want to do it one more time now that we have each other's notes yeah okay a dink a dink <laughs> okay so I didn't write down my notes but that time I got more of that orange bitter taste that you said in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then when I inhaled the air a little bit, it kicked it back to apple. Interesting. I never mm-hmm. picked up apple. Hmm. You said you were tasting apple or smelling apple? First I was smelling, but that just then I tasted it the second time. Hmm. I'm not really picking up apple. Hmm. It's just very alcoholic to me. Yeah. All right. So let's see what the the bottle said. Yes. So this is the point where we reveal what the bottle was, and we go, "This was a label and and gel." 
Yeah. La Belle Angel. The Beautiful Angel. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, This is a Syrah from France of 2020. Horrible year. Okay, Syrah, Syrah. (laughs) (laughs) Opposite vibes. Discover this rich, complex, and long Syrah that will be your best, that you will best enjoy, like her, shared with friends in the shade of pine trees. It's delicate aromas of blackberry, raspberry, enhanced hint of spices will perfectly match with grilled lamb, herbs, pate, cheese, and chocolate desserts. Hmm. So, you said spices. There are spices in this. (laughs) Well, I said spicy. (laughs) (laughs) But the fruity that we were smelling was a delicate blackberry and raspberry. I could see that. I don't know if I would ever smell raspberry and blackberry without it being labeled and pick that out of all the fruits, okay, you know? but I'm now thinking of when I had a blackberry wine and it smells like that. Oh. Well, there you go. I can I can smell the blackberry raspberry flavor. I'm going to drink it like a normal person and see how it tastes. I did have a few sips and I enjoyed it for a half second and decided I didn't want any more. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, I, I could get the raspberry and blackberry flavor. I do have cheese. I could go try it with cheese. You could try it with cheese. Okay. I have okay. aged white cheddar uh, because I'm making those steak sandwiches again for dinner <laughs> this week. So, Oh, nice. I would just have cheddar, but let's see. It does not appear to make a huge difference. <laughs> <laughs> try the whole tasting thing again. Okay, hold on. With the cheese flavor in your mouth. Okay. If anything, it just took away the sweetness of the wine and made it more sour. Mm-hmm. Interesting. But this is also a very sharp cheese, so maybe that's not what they meant. Maybe. Let's see. It just says cheeses. Mm-hmm. Who knows what that means? It also says chocolate, so maybe they meant like a softer cheese. Maybe. I guess sharp doesn't pair well with the sweet. Yeah. Oh, well. Anyway. Anyways. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So after all that, that is everything I have for our wine episode. Awesome. That was a lot of fun. I like that. Yeah. We should do sometime the blind test to see if we can Mm -hmm. figure out or compare, you know, either way, varietal or by the year. I might do a couple of different Moscato bottles mm-hmm. and just compare Moscatos. Yes. I want to choose a wine that I would like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But we will definitely post a picture of the bottle. We'll only post it once because we got the same one. <laughs> <laughs> they did come from Total Wine. I don't know if it's exclusively carried by Total Wine, but you should be able to get it at some other locations, just not Walmart. Uh, they do have a website on the back of the bottle that says www.bellangel, which is B-E-L-L-E-A-N-G-E-L-E-wines.com. There you go. Check them out. Yep. Try a wine tasting with us. Yeah. <laughs> I do have a quiz for us. Yay. I love quizzes. So since we went through how to do a wine tasting and did it ourselves, mm-hmm. we are now at a wine tasting. And we're going to tell if you can fake being knowledgeable about it. (laughs) Okay. 
So basically, we're going to see if we learned anything. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Works for me. I gave us an actual quiz. <laughs> so what you did was you gave me content and then you said, and there will be a quiz on this. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm down. I can take it. So let me set up the scene. Mm-hmm. You're attending a friend's destination wedding at a winery. And part of the weekend's itinerary is that you're wine tasting. You're going to have to BS your way through this thing well enough to convince all the other fancy pants guests that you know uh, anything about wine. Are you ready? I am. Are you ready? Because I'm doing yours too. No. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, I totally forgot. Um, This is actually the first question. Your options are, heck yeah, I know tons about wine or I know nothing but bring it on anyway. I'm going to say, heck yeah, I know tons. Since we just learned something, we're going to say, heck yeah. Yeah. Uh-oh. The wine steward is asking what you'd like to try first, red or white. She says there's no wrong way to do it, but you secretly feel like there is. What's your plan of attack? White first, red second, red first, white second. My guess is going to be white first, red second, for no reason other than my gut. I am also going to say white first, red second. I feel like the red is very potent, and the white Mm -hmm. will go away quicker. Yeah. Phew! It seems like that was the right answer. Good choice. Most people prefer to start with a white, the steward says. She pours you a glass of Chardonnay. What do you do with it first? We know this. Right. Yeah. All right. Your options are sip it, swirl it around the glass, tip it to the side and hold it up to the light. Weird. Stick your nose in the glass and smell it. <laughs> Blow into the glass. Uh, you say weird, but isn't that the correct answer? To tip it to the side and look at through the light? Well, through a white surface, but. We don't hold it up to the. Yeah, you're not supposed to hold it up to the light, but I mean, the rest of that is correct. So we're going to tip it to the side. All right. Nice. The steward compliments you on your technique. You can swirl the wine and check for qualities like viscosity, hold it up to the light and get a good look at the color, or take a big sniff and get a sense of the aroma. Now you're invited to take a sip of the Chardonnay. What words might you be good to throw out how to describe it? Okay. (laughs) Your options are rich. Rich and oaky, smooth and buttery, hints of caramel, high tannins, and hints of raspberry and clove. Have you had a Chardonnay before? Once on accident. Okay. My mom's favorite drink is Chardonnay, and I have a pretty good idea of what it's supposed to taste like. Okay. See, I ordered a Cabernet, and they brought me a Chardonnay, and then a black fly landed in it, and that's the only time I've had a Chardonnay. Um, How ironic. Would you know the song? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to guess rich and oaky because it's, I know it was dry when I had it. I'm torn between that and smooth and buttery, but I'm going to go rich and oaky. I am also going to go rich and oaky. The rest just don't really describe Chardonnay. Yeah. Like it's not really smooth. Mm-hmm. Good. Chardonnay is often described as oaky or buttery, with occasional sweeter notes like caramel or vanilla. The steward nods and smiles, and everyone else nods in agreement. Do you drink the rest of the remaining wine? Heck yeah, I'm drinking it. No, I shall pour the remainder in this little urn thing. (laughs) 
funny. Um, first of all, if it says it's oaky or buttery with sweeter notes like caramel, that means the only wrong answer was the raspberry and clove on the previous question. Did we sip any of it? Yeah, yeah, you just tried it. Oh, 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 okay. I thought we were just doing the swirling and smelling part. Oh, you're now invited to take a sip. Got it, got it. All right, then we're tossing it in the urn thingy. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Like, I knew that was the answer they wanted, but I was like, wait, did we sip it? <laughs> we're going to pour one out for the homies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It turns out both of these options were fine. Some people are drinking all of theirs. Others are pouring it out. It just depends on how you like your wine or not, or how drunk you want to get. The steward asks if you would like to try some red now or stick with white. Um, I would like to try red now. Hmm. <sighs> you probably don't. <laughs> I don't. Um, then don't. Okay, I'm not. That means you're going to have to read my narrative. You. It continues for you. Oh, okay. Well, you're done. So do you want your answer now or do you want to wait? Yeah. Yeah, you can give me my answer. Okay. Yours says... You passed. Yay. You managed to BS enough to make everyone think you're super cultured and worldly and know all kinds of trivia about wine. Finally, you can enjoy your booze in peace. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. That's all I wanted. Woo. All right. Apparently, I put myself in for more. So, yes. Okay. The steward pours you a glass of Merlot. You take a sniff, then a sip. What words might you throw out to describe it? Mmm, quite dry. Hints of cherry and plum. Light and citrusy. Ah, yes, I believe this varietal originated in the Merlot region of France. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to say the plum. Okay. I think it has, I think Merlot is more plummy. I think it is a fruity blend. Mm -hmm. Success! The steward nods. Seems like... That was the good way to describe the Merlot. <laughs> she asks you, what type of red wine would you like to try next? Oh, no. Which one of these is definitely a red wine? <laughs> Cabernet. That's on there. It's not. Darn. Pinot Grigio, Melbeck, nope. or Riesling? Okay. Malbec is a red wine. I've had that as well. <laughs> That's good. I didn't know if Pinot Grigio was... I guess Grigio is white and... Uh, Pinot, Noir Pinot Noir is, is red. red. Okay. Because Pinot Grigio is what I get usually now. And actually, I saw mm -hmm. Malbec when I was looking for the Syrah <laughs> in Walmart. <laughs> I didn't realize Walmart would have a Malbec. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yes. Malbec is a red wine. While Pinot Grigio and Rieslings are usually white, from here on in, you should be able to coast through the rest of the tasting. Yeah. How'd I do? Does everyone think I'm, I know about wine? That's the only option, so I'm clicking it. Okay. You passed. Yay. <laughs> it's the same. You managed to BS enough to make everyone think you're super cultured and worldly and know all kinds of trivia about wine. Finally, you can enjoy your booze in peace. Yes, we did it. Woo! We learned. We passed our quiz. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> I'm proud of us. Me too. That was fun. Mm -hmm. I'll be honest. If we hadn't gone through those... I wouldn't have known which ones to click. I was just thinking, like, I know which ones to click when they give me the options. I would not know what to say if I didn't have multiple choice. Like, if I'm at a wine tasting and they don't hand me four options of what to say, I'm not going to know what to do. <laughs> I'm sorry. This isn't a Fallout game where they give you options of dialogue. <laughs> the steward will remember that. <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> all right. So that is all I have for this episode. Yay. That was such a good episode. Allie. Yes. What is our next topic? Um, well, now that we have had alcohol twice in a row, I think this is an excellent time for us to rehydrate. Yay! I'm probably in need of that. <laughs> Same. So we are going to talk about uh, drinks that will hydrate you and which drink will hydrate you more than the other drinks? Question mark? I don't understand, but I'm excited to learn. <laughs> what is best drink to hydrate? We'll find out soon. What is hydrate? <laughs> how do you hydrate what is dehydrate what is drink <laughs> <laughs> what is high <laughs> hello hi <laughs> <laughs> so as always we would like to thank our listeners uh, all of our sources will be in the episode notes that does include my research sources the quiz and the link for the wine uh, before I get into my usual closing spiel, Allie has an announcement uh, from one of our dear friends. Yes. Um, so one of our very good friends, Sam, is currently going through various medical concerns. So they have started a GoFundMe page to help pay for MRIs and other incredibly expensive and unnecessarily expensive uh, procedures needed just to get a diagnosis and then to figure out treatment from there. Uh, we have more information that we'll share on our page, but we are also going to go ahead and put a link to the GoFundMe in our description and on all of the social media posts. So if you have even just a little bit to give, every little piece helps. Um, but yeah, so we're just going to put that down there and we appreciate everything from you guys. Yeah. And as always, we would like to thank our listeners. All of our resources will be in the episode notes along with the link for the GoFundMe. Um, this will include the research sources, the quiz, and the link for the wine. Mm -hmm. uh, and you can find us at uh, webrewgood.com because we have webrewgood.com now, which will, of course, redirect you to our original webrewgood.podbean.com. Or you can find us wherever you find your favorite podcast, whether that be Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and all sorts of places. You can also find us on our social medias. That includes Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at WeBrewGood. Mm -hmm. You can also always send us an email uh, at WeBrewGood at gmail.com. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Allie. Did you know that if you were to drink red wine, you might get some health benefits, but your guinea pig might not? I was going to say, um, I know for sure I don't have to Google this one. Don't give your guinea pig wine of any kind. <laughs> Bad idea. Guinea pigs actually prefer the most pristine version of wine, and that comes in unfermented juice from regular fruit. <laughs> yes. Actually, if you um, if you put a tiny little plastic cup, because you probably shouldn't put glass in with your guinea pig, uh, you can put water or some kind of guinea pig friendly juice in with them. While you have wine, you light a few unscented candles so you don't impede the flavor of the wine. Mm, yes. Perhaps you each share a cracker or a salt disc and you can just enjoy your evening. <laughs> I would 100% do that with my guinea pig. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And then you'll just be whoop, 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 whooping in through the night. Enjoying your wines. <laughs> You'll be what now? 
They do a little whoop noise. They go It's like a little squeaky. Yeah. And while they go you'll just say stay brutal. Yes.